This is a journey to the intersection of culture and commerce from the Black perspective, where we talk about business, entertainment, relationships, religion, and how our Blackness is depicted and eventually monetized. This is The Business of Black. This is Stokely, Black Republic. This is Donald from Stolen Outfitters. This is Kelly, Chocolate Girls Winning. And today we got the Coral Elvis, the Coral Art Gallery, the Coral Hustle and Creativity. The Coral Everything. Everything. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on, homie? Peace, peace. So, um, y'all had a nice long prequel to this conversation. <laughs> so, hopefully, we have enough left. Which I'm sure we will. I mean, almost, you know, it'll probably be revisited, you know, uh, throughout throughout you know the conversation. Uh, we gonna try to build it up. No doubt. So, the Coro, tell us about yourself, sir, Mister from Syracuse, Syracuse, New York, born and raised, three one five. I got shout out playing the homes, man. Every time we talk about Syracuse, but um, just a raw artist, man. Uh, Believed in it, stepped into it, and just very unapologetic about what I choose to create and how it's interpreted. Right, right, right. What, what, what do you like? What do you like the most about it? The voice it gives you, or just um, it's it's for me, it's clarity. It's more therapy for me when I started out, gotcha. and now I get a chance to be as um raw as I want to, as arrogant as I want to, and never say a word. Just put it into the canvas. Or if I want somebody to understand something about themselves that I've had to understand about myself without saying, hey, you need to check this out and read this, I could put it onto the canvas and let them see for themselves what energy I put into that. Um, On the uh, stepping outside, how long were you inside painting before you decide to actually start bringing it to the public and putting it up for sale? Probably since I was age of eight, nine. Um, I started drawing when I was like four or five. Okay. Drawing, um, of course, you know, the cartoons and the cars and stuff like that. And then um, got into middle school and stuff, and we had an awesome art teacher that really put us on to you guys, y'all go over here and do this because y'all doing it different. Y'all doing graffiti. Y'all doing, mm-hmm. y'all just freestyling it. The rest of the classes, y'all paint the apples. Yeah. You know, y'all, y'all doing the standard. Yeah, it gave, it gave me a, a confidence of like, yo, I don't, I don't have to be muzzled with this teacher. Then mm-hmm. I went off into high school and then, um, like clothing, me and my cousin been doing that since we were like 13. So like I was saying before, it's come full circle. All the stuff that I used to do when I was younger, I'm doing now, but now I have an intent for it, you know? And 2012, down here in Atlanta, I introduced it at the uh, Raw Artist, and I won the competition, which was crazy because when they did the judging, they probably was at my station a minute, two minutes. So I'm sitting back like, fuck this, man. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? But then, so I started, you know, doing, I had a couple of my people was there. So we started having a couple of drinks, talking. Then they did the judging and they said, um, Raw Artist of the Year, the Cole Edwards. I turned around like, word? 
went up there and um, got the award. And then after, I got a chance to talk to one of the judges. And I said, yo, y'all ain't spend no time at my, at my station. Like, I I just thought, I was forget it. Right. They said, yo, as soon as we walked in the door, we knew who the winner was. I was like, wow. And that was a real confirmation for me. Not only just the judges, but the people that were there. Um to support the event, the conversations that I had was really, I've not seen artwork like this before. I thought, I didn't think you were the artist. I thought you played basketball or something. You know what I'm saying? So it's like the look, along with the style of art, the rawness of it, they finally met each other, you know, and um, that's when I brought it outdoors. That's when I committed to it. Well, that's what I found uh, striking about the website was looking at the clothing. And I was like, yeah, this is a boutique level stuff. You can't even put this in the same rack with regular things mm. because of the texture on the back and what have you. This is like something that actually has a seal on it. Mannequin and wanted to be appreciated. They probably saw the same thing when they walked up. You, you, and this is a very, very artistic town. It's a very, very artistic city. Showing sure Um, But that was what I got from your site when I got there. I got all of the the abstract art, a lot of color concept and theory, but there's always a texture in mm-hmm. each piece. Mm-hmm. And it's a texture that a lot of people fit. It's a texture that a lot of people try to force. Mm-hmm. And when you force something to art, it's like watching that 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 really, really attractive woman walk in and shoes that don't fit. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, right. you, know, you, you, you balance that outfit out perfectly just right. to make every step look painful. <laughs> I said. <laughs> <laughs> Work. You know what I'm saying? Like, yo, you sit there and you analyze, like, yo, the, the stroke is like confident, but there's something forced it. And right. every bit of it that's forced is forcing my mind to try to make sense of it. And that's the beauty of good design, good art. It doesn't force the mind to do anything. The mind accepts it as being pleasurable from the game. And that's why they didn't have to stay there that long. Right. Well, it's, it's, I've learned to be um, patient. Um, I've been called aggressively patient at points, but with working with the oils and stuff, it's like <clears throat> there are ways that you can speed up the drying process. I don't want to speed it up it's simply because most of my artwork comes from observations. It comes from conversations. It comes from intertwining with parts of society that certain other parts may not talk to. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's why I work on multiple pieces. It's, it's nothing for me to work on five, six pieces at one time, <clears throat> simply because this piece right here, I can get started on it, but I know it's not. It's nowhere near completion, not even 50% done. So I may have to let that sit there for like a week <laughs> before I even come back to it and say, I, right, I know what I want you to say. Mm-hmm. Or at least I know what word I want to put in your mouth, mm-hmm. art-wise. Mm-hmm. And I'm always viewing it from what's my level of understanding of what I'm thinking about and what might be the viewer's level of understanding of what I want them to get from it. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of it is done. The strokes are very, they can either be real raw and sporadic or they can be very 
I stand there look at the painting for 30 minutes just to walk up and put one stroke on it right. and walk away from it. So right. there's an attempt, but there's also an understanding that I go through through the process that I think gives the artwork energy. And in turn, people are able to pull that energy from the painting itself. Right. I got that from the uh, army jacket with the, you know, it's like real subtle color underneath, but then it's all white. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it seems, it seems radical, but then again, it's structured. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And you get that vibe from it. This is not somebody that, you know, look, all you gotta do is just splash on the, on the, on the, on the, on the, on the jacket and now it's abstract. Right. You, you see a lot of that. Right. You watch people do it. I see a lot of that. Yeah, I mean, well, as a designer, I get people who don't understand like the best logos or something. Right. <laughs> like, I don't, if you're not aspiring to be Apple or Target, mm-hmm. you're not aspiring to be Coca-Cola or Nike, mm-hmm. what are you doing? Mm-hmm. So when you try to get <laughs> chapels as your logo and have to explain to you that has to function at like 50 by 50 pixels. Right. A little square on top of the browser. It's not gonna work out for you, my man. Right. You don't want to hear that because people think associate busy with or ornate with being art. Mm-hmm. It's not always the case. You know what I'm saying? Uh, a lot of art is about balancing the negative space so it still has a place. Mm-hmm. You just want to fill everything up. That's hoarded. Like simple is very good. You know, it's, it's like real, realistically, it's like all right, you you can have a garage full of expensive things and it still look like garbage because it's full. You know what I mean? Everything in here can be of of great worth, but because you can't access any of it or appreciate any of it, it's worth nothing. Right? So it's like, you know, the idea that, you know, as an artist, you have to, you know, organize things. And then there's a, the opposite side of where people feel like you can do it just real quick. This is nothing to it. Every time I've seen it, it look like this. It's like, yeah, that's your intent. Right. That's going to come across. Versus this person as being intentional, like, mm, that pink over there needs a color over here to complement it so that it balances out the space. So that when I put something on top of it, it makes sense without any of it fighting. And that's like harmony, you know? And, you know, some people get it when they approach it. Other people don't, but the, the viewing audience knows. Sure they see it. And, and it's an agreement that's passed down from their mind onto their senses. Mm-hmm. And they might put it in words. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And that's why I enjoy engaging with the uh, audience to see what they get out of it to make sure that my intent landed. Was that message going to be clear? Because, you know, you're supposed to be communicating something. Right. But I mean, this is where art, like we was talking about earlier, all three of us can look at the same thing and gather something else something different. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And a lot of times that comes from the different layers. And that's what I liked about a lot of the, like, that particular army jacket mm-hmm. and the art in just in general, right? It has different layers to it. You know what I'm saying? Well thought out layers. Thank you. You know what I mean? That the fact that you get that from that is like, like you just said, I hit my target. Because I mean, think about it. The army jacket in itself, 
right? Just plain mm-hmm. asphalt. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And then you had that coat of like what looked like pastels to me. Mm-hmm. I'm not right. Me <laughs> Underneath, you know what I'm saying? That kind of lightened it up. It, 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 it softened the camo, mm-hmm. right? And then the white brought everything to me, brought everything yeah, together like a roadmap. You right. know what I mean? So that's, and I'm not. I'm, I'm not going to say that because you'll get on about it. Longest you've taken to work on a project? Um, ten years. Excuse me. What? <laughs> yeah, ten years. What's, I have, a, I have a painting that? right now called um, "Rites of Passage," mm-hmm. and this was the first painting that I've ever stretched um, in my entire career. It's a uh, four feet by eight feet, eight foot canvas. Okay. And so, prior to the raw artist event that I was telling you about. Um, I worked on this canvas once a year. The size is huge, four feet by eight feet. Mm-hmm. Once a year, every year for 10 years. Wow. Until I got it to the point where, again, it was a level of understanding. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't get what I wanted from each layer. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't until 2017 that I was talking to some young men in the barbershop and that rite of passage just kept hitting me like, you know, sort of thinking of black men in general, how we can get caught up in that 14, 15, 16 year old passageway mm-hmm. in which we start to look at our right, who's schooling me? Who's mentoring me? Who are they? Mm-hmm. And then what happened before, like, okay, I was in this atmosphere. I was in this type of school system. Like, this is what's helpful. And so what it brought me to was an older man, father, uncle, um, brother, a younger man, nephew, son, um, somebody, well, the other one could have been grandfather and I went back to my graffiti B-boy type of way. So the young boy has his hat backwards. The older guy has his hat forward. Backwards made me feel like the young man was open to receiving information. Forwards was this man was open to directing his experience towards this young man. And the thing that brings it together is... The taller guy's left arm is connected to the younger guy's right arm. So it's just one arm. And that's that rite of passage, which serves as like a bridge. Or a conduit. Exactly. You know, so, yeah, 10 years. And I haven't touched it since 2017. Wow. There's a, uh, there's a recording artist from uh, Brownsville, Brooklyn, named Kai, K-A. Incredible uh, with the pen. Uh, goes above and beyond uh, whatever he writes. Mm-hmm. Um, so much stuff that he writes is like meant to go people's head. He's like, you know, you just keep picking up stuff every time, listen to it. He was in an interview and they asked him, you know, when are you coming out with your next album? He was like, well, I had to live my whole life to write these albums. <laughs> yes. So I have to live some more life to write the next ones. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, you know, we've touched on interpretation from the audience several times in the conversation prior to recording and now. And something that you get from life, 
is like vantage point based on on, on elevation. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So even if you go back to something two weeks later, you have a different vantage point. Sure did. Something mm-hmm. in that time, you might have attended a funeral that mm-hmm. changed your whole perspective of everything, mm-hmm. you know, of the way time passes and what's important. Mm-hmm. You might have had an epiphany. You know what I mean? That caused you to embrace things differently in a two-week period, whatever. All that's going to change your vantage point. So over a 10-year period, you're going to be able to map, you know what I mean, so many different changes in your own, you know, your own elevation and your vantage point, those points in time that, you know, that's that's really for you. The 10-year piece is for you. You know what I mean? Like everybody else get what they get out of it, but only going to be able to look at it and really see where you were a different step. Just like my visual journal almost um, because the painting on it right now is vertical. But if I turn it, I know the nine paintings before that, I could see bits and pieces of them. Mm -hmm. But I always enjoy, when I do bring it down, I turn it the other way. People are like, oh, I see that. I see this. And what it does is it does remind me of like, yeah, what space was you in right there? You know, like what? What are you recalling? And ten years is a lot of time to yeah, grow. A lot of time. You know, especially when you start to get access and information, and you start to really stand on your own pillars. Like, all right, this is who I am, not who my surroundings made me, not where I want. This is who I am right now, and I can look at myself and I can step forward with that. So. <laughs> Ten years is quite a quite a bit of time. It is. It is. So, did, did you see anything other than the layers and, and being able to recall like different portions of that painting? Then I'll leave it alone, <laughs> right? Did you see anything? Did you get a new revelation out of it when you like each year you looked at it? Did you see something different that you missed the first time? Because like early, you said you know you sit back and sometimes it'll take you you know hours to put one stroke on it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. When you went back to it, did you see something that, oh, like, you did the stroke, but you was like, now you got a new revelation from it? Well, actually, what that painting did for me was it showed me that I was able to commit to something. <laughs> as sporadic as my thoughts can be, as as quickly as I could paint a tree over here and then paint somebody... In the on the backside of a car, switching the tag out, mm-hmm. it showed me that I could commit to really aspiring to be an artist that can get busy out here. So it became more of affirmations for me rather than oh, I should have did this, I should have did that, because all nine, all ten pieces on that same painting were just all freestyle. There was no. Nah, let me let me try this process. It was just straight sporadic. Like, all right, I'm gonna get up, spray paint head, tuck, just letting it out. And again, my brand of art is more so understanding for me. Right. At that point, it was. Now I try to use it where it's an understanding for everybody that looks at it. Depending on where you at in life, you may not see what I see, what, right. what I put on there. Right. But I really want you to walk away with something. So that whole painting is just like a series of affirmations for me. Super important um, reason why you should weave substance into your content. Um, you know, even as a commercial artist, you know this is going to amount to your life's work, and if none of it actually pertains to your life, then what was it? 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you sold it. You know what I mean? But, like, if it really didn't come from you, it's like walking around with the wrong name. And this is crazy, too. Like, I've even gotten to the mindset of, I won't just sell any paint to anybody. I look for a connection between the viewer. Not all the time. Like, I, I you know, I got I got to sell that paint. Work. Yeah. That paint, right? But, like, on some of the paintings, I look at the connection between the person that's looking at it. And one thing I'll do, I'll be like, all right, if you want to know more about the painting, let me know. I walk away, I leave them alone. But I usually watch them, and I'm watching how they're connecting. Um, and I'm watching their response to it. And so they're like, all right, I want to buy this painting. I'm like, yeah, that painting, that painting is for you, actually. You know what I'm saying? And there's some just, oh, well, I don't see it. And boom, boom, boom. So it's like, all right, I'll explain it to you, but this painting won't do no service in your home. Right. You know, so. You ain't going to get no value out of this. But like you said, simple is better. Over the past two weeks, the pieces that have been getting the most attention are the real simple ones. Mm-hmm. White background with just a few figures on there. Two, three colors, maybe. Believe it or not, because everything is kind of driven by the internet right now. People have been forced into accepting minimalism mm-hmm. on, a, on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Things that did not, you know, they only made sense on an ultra corporate level are starting to be embraced on a, on a domestic consumer level mm-hmm. because they they see it all the time. You see more websites with white backgrounds. Mm-hmm. There's a reason for that because white doesn't come in conflict with any of the content on top of it. It actually provides a backlight for whatever is on top of it, so it forces all the attention onto the content. Yeah, you know. Yeah. What I'm so you know, when whenever you do that, as long as you don't busy up. The negative space, it always forces people to pay attention to what you want to pay attention to. You see what I'm saying? So when you think about, I, mean, I, had, to, I had to design a, uh, a poster for uh, a black-owned uh, potato chip company, and they were uh, they're actually being uh, carried by Way- Wayfield. 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 No. Yeah. Wayfield. Wayfield Foods. They actually carry. And when I designed the poster, I had to keep in mind that. This has to look good, but it has to also not conflict with anything else on the walls in Wayfield. Because the incident does now, it's going to be displeasurable to whoever looks at it. It's going to work in the opposite of what I wanted to. And I took Wayfield's colors and I incorporated it into the background to make sure that it's going to complement something that's already going on in there without even knowing what's on the walls. Right. That's theory. You need that. And sometimes we go what feels right without understanding the theory that drives it. But that's what it is. When a person is buying stuff for their house, you have no idea what the accent colors of their walls are. You have no idea what color their sofa is. Right. And they might love a piece, but if there's one color in there that conflicts with the room where I want to hang that, I'm not going to copy it. Exactly. But once you incorporate a lot of white, which, you know, is like the ultimate carrier of negative space, it almost always going to work on the wall in any room. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just the way it is. It's almost always going to work on the wall in any room. So those pieces are no-brainers when somebody's got to buy it because I know it's going to work for it. All I'm thinking about is the frame right now or whatever. You know, so I can see that. I can see that. Uh, it takes a certain it takes a certain viewer to appreciate 
a full like corner to corner, fully colored painting with a right. lot going on. Right. And that's a, a measure of their personality. You look at it and you don't see the future. They see something that's going on in their head and like I'm just perfect my head. That's I'm crazy. Good. What I what I do sometimes is I will fill the whole canvas up with just wild colors, let it dry, and then I'll incorporate white towards the end. It might be the borders. It might be a little splash here and there to connect, you know, the composition from the bottom to the top. Mm -hmm. And I guess I kind of do it in reverse, but understanding that point that that white is universal, it it really opens up the doors to where this painting can be hung at. Like, there's a restaurant downstairs that just opened up and they want me to... um, put a few pieces into their restaurant. Mm-hmm. But the basis is we don't want anything too busy. So we're just starting out with just white, period. And then I'll, I'll look at the bar, look at the um, chairs, tablecloths, what the other art that they have up. And I'll compliment that instead of me saying, you know what, this is going to be my niche. I'm going to blow this restaurant out. The, nah, it's, it's to compliment what they already have. You know, so like, like that's the business part of you coming into play because the customer wants a certain thing. Right. Part, you know what I mean? If you just jumping in there and doing what you want to do, like you might have just killed your whole business model yeah. from that part on yeah. because you didn't do what the what the customer wanted you to do. You gotta do it. 50% of doing art is what you want. The other 50% is what the customer wants. I mean, but like we were talking about earlier, everybody got a fingerprint. You know what I mean? So you can all, you can do what you want and also accomplish what the customer wants. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because yeah. you can, everything, you put your own personal signature on it anyway. Right. You know what I mean? Without signing your name. This is what I'm saying. Like, uh, you know, when we come in, this role of business, um, making functional art, which is what we do. <laughs> if you're doing paintings for a business, that adds on to their their value when somebody's sitting in their business doing business with them. So that's mm-hmm. functional art as a reason, just like um, paintings in the walls of bathroom. When we're doing functional art, like it's important for us. The walls of bathrooms? I mean, like, <laughs> I'm talking about like the paintings that you put, like when you go in the restaurant or the bathroom. Oh, they pick. Yeah, it's all product placement, though. It's all product placement, man. Nah, I <laughs> but this idea that you are working for somebody, right? You know what I'm saying? And you're providing them a solution. Your signature is in the solution, it's right. not in overriding what the customer wants to say. This is what you need. Like, I don't really get into all that. And I mean, at the end of the day, they came to you, right? Mm-hmm. So they already seen your signature and was like, yeah, we want it. We want that here. Mm-hmm. So you are an instructor as well, correct? I am. I go around from uh, to different schools. They'll bring me in. Um, I either do an hour at one school or I may do five hours. I mean, yeah, five hours of five different classes. And that part, that that's the, that's one of the biggest rewards of being an artist um, and not being put into a box because these kids, creativity, they amaze you. Like when you ask them questions, mm-hmm. like one thing that I'll do is I'll go up to the board. I usually bring a few of my paintings and I'll go up to the board. I'll draw a straight line on the board. And if there's a class of like 20 I have them each come up. I'll start a theme or something like that. I have them each come up and add their thought, rather be a shape or a word, onto that line. 
And the whole class gets a chance to see this piece of artwork grow. Mm-hmm. But they also get a chance to see teamwork. They get a chance to feel confident because they're coming up in front of the class. And I make sure nobody's like, no, nobody stands out. I mean, everybody's input is important. And I even have the teacher come up sometimes, you know, and it just, it balances the classes, is comfortable. Um, they're a part of something and it teaches confidence. It teaches esteem. It teaches um, creativity is everywhere. As soon as you walk out the door, some form of art has created everything that you're looking at. You know, so I really enjoy doing that. Sometimes I do it for nonprofits. Um, sometimes I do it uh, from a business standpoint. But either way it goes, um, working with kids is just, that, that's the biggest reward to me. Good to complete the circuit and be that cool art teacher. Mm-hmm. Shout, shout out to the cool art teacher, by the way. Definitely shout out. We want, we want you back. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, it's just of art out of schools because they know um, a consumer base, you know, populace. You want people to think, you know what I'm saying, like sort of mathematically and not really control or understand or be able to define their feel as to why they feel the way they feel about certain products that are being efficient. Mm-hmm. And post shop is like the best shoppers. Mm-hmm. But like QVC, normal shopping network, and expands this kind of stuff at the internet that we deal with. We try to create a consumer-based population. We don't really want a bunch of creators around. Creators sure. are alive. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? They're going to solve. They're going to usually be the ones to evolve or outdated ideas or something. That's a new business model that destroys the older business model, which mm-hmm. is being claimed to about older men. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, shout out to school. Shout out to cool art teachers. Shout out to everybody that teaches. I want to shout out. Um, and, uh, I want to make sure I shout out uh, Mr. Perron. He's retired now, but he was my sixth, seventh, eighth grade art teacher that really opened up the doors and was like, do whatever you want. But it was with a certain structure, like he's seen it. So shout out to Mr. Perron, Syracuse, Huntington, middle school. He's retired, but... That was my dog. <laughs> so, 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 tell us more about the art studio. Like, I'm, we know you've been struggling, right? Mm-hmm. Um, how long you been there? Uh, the Core Art Gallery has been there for two and a half years now. And it's a, it's, a, it's a real special place. I opened it up after my father passed about two and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. Grand opening was on his birthday, July 28th. And, um, it's super high energy. It doesn't matter who comes in there. Mm-hmm. You're going to feel it when you walk through the door. It's similar to the way that I've ran my barbershop for years. Like, be whoever you are. You know what I mean? But you got to leave something. Right. You know what I'm saying? You can't just come and take. You got to leave something in this space. So right. what I do, I keep um, the artwork energetic. I, allow, I let some other artists come in, hang their works up. Um, I do a lot of events in there from speaking engagements Art exhibits, fashion shows, mini concerts, um, photo shoots, sipping paints, you know, everything in there. But the basic concept for the decor art gallery is come and be a part of this energy, but you got to leave something here. So you have to pour into that energy in some way. You can't be negative and pour into positive energy. Right. Right. 
You know what I'm saying? So it's a great place. It's the um, first black on art gallery in Sandy Springs, which is kind of why I chose that location too, because it initially was an uphill battle, but it's all leveled out now because, like it was said, you can't really box a creative person in. Right. You know, even if you try to, we're constantly thinking of, all right, there's ways around that. Right. But, uh, <laughs> I'll get oh, it. So, 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 so what was the biggest hurdle up in that area? Because, <laughs> well, this is the thing right here. See, I don't like going past 400. I'm going to be honest with you. Really? <laughs> <laughs> it's not, it's, it's, it's cool, man. It's, it's real cool. Like, you got to think about it, though. When, when you get into business, it's really committing to paying a certain amount of rent with taxes included for a certain amount of time. Having a product or a service that you can provide that keeps the doors open. So I'm looking at it like that. Mm-hmm. Some people may look at it like predominantly white um, city, in which it is, white and Jewish. I don't really care about that. Right. You know, because one thing is I could leave Sandy Springs and go to Alaska and still do the same thing I'm doing right now. Right. You know what I'm saying? I can go back to Syracuse. I can go to New York. I can go to L.A. I can go anywhere on the planet and do what I'm doing right now. So I didn't isolate myself. I just chose a niche in which, to be honest with you, they got $1.5, million, $2.3 million houses out there. Right. With a lot of walls. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, so fit your business model. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Most people were dealing with security deposit, finance, and putting nails in the walls. They don't own so, you know, generally people who have houses that are trying to add value to their house or, you know, have already been the culture of making their home more livable are usually people who consider art. You know, uh, the investment class consider art differently as well because of the appraisals differently. You know what I'm saying? I think what possibly I sold it. 1.6. Like, I think it was like 28 million was like a couple of years ago. Mm. Like so when I was staffed like 28. You know, um stuff like that. Like you know somebody paid 28 because they know next year is gonna be worth it. You know what I'm saying? That was sick what he did at Sotheby's, man. When it when it started shredding as soon as the gavel came down. You, you didn't see that? No, I didn't. I, I, I just saw like a, a, a clip where they said like he was doing the painting and then blow it up like right after you finished. Yo, uh, this, I think the painting sold for maybe 50, 60 million. As soon as the gavel hit, the painting started coming out the bottom of the frame, shredded, and then it stopped halfway. That's- when, that's my man. No doubt. That's my man. Like, I, I, like that was intentional? Yes. Yeah. He's, 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 yeah. You know, he's, was it his? Or It's Marty. the exact opposite of what he's about. You know what I'm saying? Like, I saw a joint where, like, he he got, came to uh, L.A. or something. He came to Cali, and he was bombing the top of buildings. And you have people who were, you know, being fined to, you know, if they didn't, Go over the art until they found out how much the art was worth. You have people cutting the walls exactly. to get the art. It went from being straight vandalism, we're finding the owner of this building, to yo, I'm about to just cut the whole wall on the side of the building. 
Exactly. It becomes socially acceptable and uh, a means of expression. Um, you fool angst. <laughs> you know right. what I'm saying? Like, oh, that's the same shit we was on. Now it's their outlet, it's acceptable now. Right. You know, now it's cool, but when you listen to, like, if you ever seen as a dude get shot, listen to Maxie. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Maxie is somebody that a lot of us would show you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Because his, his ideals, his outlook is very, very much like the grand artist that I would have with the concept and the energy driving it. You know, but it's that same principle. Um, sometimes you're selling something to a demographic that doesn't necessarily understand any, anything other than value. Right. That's it. They don't, there is no connection to it. I don't feel like I'm trying to make it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I just know your name is associated with money in the art circles. So this will probably be appreciated by you. Right. And that's the culture. Uh, I don't like the term culture, culture, but that's, you know, that's an appropriate. I don't use the term culture, culture. No, I don't like either because then it insinuates something's dead when it's not. Well, that's what I'm saying. The culture is dead. So it's like the only way you can, you know, actually be culture, culture if you're approaching a culture that's already dead. Right. You know, I, I would like to think that more of a cultural cancer because it's killing something that's live. Cancer can't act on a dead body. So it's a cultural cancer when you come and try to get it from the inside out for its value. And then once it's no longer value for you, no longer use You wouldn't treat somebody in the family like that if you would own the family. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, that Bansky guy is, is sick with it, but just being a creative, man, it's, it's, it's liberating. There's a certain freedom to it where you literally don't have to speak a word right. and can still get your your point across. And that's, like, there's nowhere else you could do that. You know, even with music, there's a specific point. With poetry, there's acting, there's... But with art, it's like, I can say the most whatever I want to say and never speak about it. No. Say, hey, DeCroix, what were you thinking about um, when you painted this? Or what is it making you feel? No, you talk to me. I don't want to. I did I did the painting. Yeah. I'm not saying it's the best, not saying it's the worst, but what are you getting from it? Because right. I know what I put into it, but I don't want to tell you what I put into it. I want, right. I want you to tell me what you got from it. So, so what athletes and, 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 and actors and whatnot got your stuff hanging in their walls? Mm. <laughs> I know you got a few. Uh, I know you got a few. Uh, or do they have to remain nameless? Nah. Actors, athletes. I don't know right now, man. Oh my bad. Nah, I worked with a few different people. Um, I play. I, I worked with some ball players, basketball players, football players. Mm-hmm. Um, a few movie producers, not necessarily actors per se. Mm-hmm. Um, worked with quite a few people, but you know, it's. So, do you have any collaborations that you that you've done with 
other artists yeah. or um I want to. It's funny, I just had this conversation the other day. I want to, but I just haven't found that artist that I think is just super comfortable. Oh, I already got <laughs> Will's already turning with that. <laughs> Will's already turning with that. Um I I just well today I've met that artist and I'm like, yo. Shit is raw. Right. I like that. Right. You know, um, what I was trying to do once a month at the at the gallery was to bring artists in on a Wednesday, just let the music play, they bring their own canvas, and we all work in this space on whatever you want to work on. But what I found out is that some artists are more concerned about keeping their process private. You know what I'm saying? Rather than saying, oh, yo, I don't know how to do that. Yo, show me how you do that. Right. Or, yo, this could be, you could touch this up a little bit if you do this. So it's a give and take. But that's, that's that competition. That's, that's that, that really, ego. It's, right, it's, you know. It is the ego. It's, <laughs> it's, it's the ego protecting itself. Right. You know what I'm saying? The artist <laughs> is like suffering from the ego. You know what I'm saying? The ego is how the artist treated after it's created, right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, like, you know, the, the artist self is a reflection of the artist. The ego is how the artist acts towards the art after it's made. Right. So, the ego never, I never measure out its own shortcomings. It's just incapable of doing it. Right. You see what I'm saying? So, all of that translate as uh, defending one's territory mm-hmm. or what they feel is theirs. And it's, uh, it's annoying because, like I said, you get so much more out of being open-minded, out of out of actually being willing to show somebody part of what you do, mm-hmm. um, because it's it's a confidence. You know, like, yo, it doesn't matter if I show you how to do it. You still don't have my hand. You still don't have my right. Exactly. I can give you this blue. Right. When you can do it, it's not look like that. But guess what? When you do it, I'm going to see something I couldn't do. Right. So we have an equal exchange. You know what I'm saying? Me showing you this particular technique does not mean you be able to execute the way that I do. You got to put your own form on to it. And when you do, I get something from it. Mm-hmm. Because I see your own. I see, you know, how you went about actually taking something I did and interpreting through your own experience. Mm-hmm. And that's the growth. That's the growth that comes from it. But unfortunately, we live in a time where we are more connected and disconnected than ever before. Sure Join sure to a, a e-beef with somebody from West Africa and now you have <laughs> one enemy overseas Right. you never actually met a person. Right. You right. Right. probably on, never had a, kind of a real conversation. Well, based on what? This idea that, you know, social races are eroding because there's a lot of that human interaction between like kids and informative stages that make them into really socially active people that understand politics and internal politics and they're comfortable enough with themselves to actually build and share. Mm-hmm. So you see it, you go to the restaurant, you see everybody that's on the phone, right? Talk to right. Nobody right. See, right. You see people walking down the block and never lift their head if they don't bump in anything. Right. Right. And right next to each other where it was and right. access to all each other. There's no eye contact. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's, it's, it, that's reflected in that. And it's like everybody's that kid in, in the corner, just in the corner now. So when they got to deal with each other, 
that lack of confidence is it, strange through. And a lot of artists fall into that category. I mean, like I was a kid that didn't want to talk to kids when I was young. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting here drawing because I don't know how to put how I feel about show in the words. done with it if I wasn't feeling it throw it out and I go why you do that you spent so much time on it It, I didn't connect with it so even now with paintings I could do a painting take me a week two weeks but when I finally say all right, it's done and I sit back like no I ain't feeling it it's nothing for me to paint over it immediately and that's just I don't know maybe you can help me out with if there's something specific going on, but I, I used to have a real attachment to some of my pieces. Mm-hmm. Now it's more so my process what I put into it, but it's nothing for me to, nah. Like I got a painting right now, this Aretha Franklin painting that I'm about to paint over this joint as soon as I get back out there. No respect. Not, <laughs> no respect. <laughs> it's not that, but I did it. I did it when she passed uh-huh. because... I had never painted her before. Right. And so I painted her on this one canvas using like maybe four different mediums from oil, spray paints, acrylics to paint marker. Right. But now that I did it, I'm like, ah, oh, it's cool. I'm about to use that canvas for something else. <laughs> 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 you know. and, and break back down to the nature of the artist. You know what I'm saying? Like, I I go back and do, I don't go old pieces. Like, I don't do that. Um, mm. Just because I like to be able to see where I was at when I did it. I like to see my hand. See, I take a lot of pictures throughout the process, too, though. Right. So. I, I like I like the side by side. Like, I like, I just like seeing it. But it's, it's in the artist. Like, it, you, I, I really doubt you would do that towards something that you felt was all the way there. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. If you go back and look at it like, yeah, that was real for the moment. That was great for the moment. The moment I'm feeling right now is much greater than this. Somebody told that. There it is, right that's, there. That's the domain of the artist. Mm-hmm. Like, anybody looking on and be like, oh, what are you doing? You know what I'm saying? It's usually mm-hmm. like, I'm creating. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, part of the you know, conversation is instruction. It's like, yo, I got to destroy something. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> for, for, for the main role for this, really. Joined you know in. I'm saying, like, this is, you know, I'm not a mobile So, I mean, like, in reality, you know what I mean? It's up to the artist. So, there's really no way for me to explain to you why you do that other than, like, like I said, it's like that function in the moment. 
and I feel it's something greater now. Um, a lot of the art that I did full screen and was restricted to the amount of colors that I had to use. I have a four color screen print press, right? So if I'm doing art for screen print, I can only use natural color. That's a restriction, that's a limitation, right? But when I'm doing something for celebration, I'm using the colors I want. So it gives me a reason to go back and redesign those things that I did for screen print. I don't have those limitations anymore. The same thing when you, I did this at this point in time, once again, we get back to vantage point. Two weeks from, from that point, I feel different. My hand is different. My color is different. After this conversation right here, you might go back and look at the use of white backgrounds and cause you to reinsert some of your other pieces. That's all, you know, a reflection of vantage point where you are at in space and time, you know, and that's totally the meaning of, of the artist. Artists being their own mind. So I do that with everything. If I don't like it, I'm going to reach it the way. I watch several really, really, really good artists that you usually only see their finished product, but you don't see their process. They've been doing time lapse, lapse sketches, and the thing that I notice about them is they constantly erase. Mm-hmm. They'll draw whole holes and erase the entire figure and start fresh, and the only thing that's left is the head. Mm-hmm. They'll do that consistently throughout. Mm-hmm. All you see is what they decided to keep at the end. Until you see their process, you will never see how often they second-guess themselves mm-hmm. or decide that this is not exactly as good as it could be. So to watch somebody you can sit great do that is humbling. You know, think about it, it always happens. Oh, no. It, it never disappears. This idea that I'm not so connected to or attached to anything that I did that I could think that it can't get better. Mm-hmm. You know, this is one of the problems with right now is people lack objectivity. Mm-hmm. You know, they're into idolatry while lacking objectivity. So this is what will make you appoint somebody, allow you to appoint somebody else as your God or your hero or your villain. Because you lack the ability to actually scrutinize them, to see whether or not they work that role. Right. And the same thing once you yourself, you know, it's easy to say what I'm doing right now is the best and never get better because I want to challenge myself. The person that's trying to get better constantly challenges themselves to can't really attach themselves to what that I could look at it and I would I would be settling. Right. If I leave that arm like that, if I leave that leg exactly. like that, if I leave this person standing like this, it doesn't look real, it's not convincing. Right. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be played with that every time I look at this. Like um, DJ Quick uh talking about recording pop. And he was like, I was one of the few producers that would tell pop to go back into the booth and do the first over. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you know, pop frightening. But he was like, yo, bro, you could leave that shit like that and that little shit be there every time it plays back. Or you get go in and do it right. right. And now it's classic. Now it's a legendary person. Now it's a legendary performance. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I always think we'll come back and do it. You know, that, that ties into the whole, like, yo, you, as a producer or a manager of other spirits and personalities, your ego cannot be beneath it. Where you can't tell them all the truth. Mm-hmm. So as, as a designer, I'm constantly in that position where tell people like hey, everyone has to do it all because I do it to myself. It's like mm-hmm. it does not matter how long I work on that. If it's not right, it's not right. Right. You know what I'm saying? So it doesn't matter how long it takes to fix it. I'm not going to be right with it to fix. So mm-hmm. that's you know that's the dominion of the artist. You know, for the consumer, it is only like the consumer. Right. You know what I mean? And half the time, they don't even see most of the stuff that you put into it. Like you said, mm-hmm. like you might make mistake or well, not a necessarily mistake, but it might not be up to your liking 10, 15 times. So when it is, it's like, all right, I got that out of my system now. Right. Right. You know, and it's good to put out 
in front of other people. So. Figure out how we actually gonna get to this part of it. Social media is Decoro. Um, pretty much D A K O R O Decoro. Um, art. Decoro art at Decoro art. But um, this is a special thing. My name is kind of so unique, so unique that if you type Decoro into Google, everything comes oh, up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like fragrances. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> mm, well, yeah, Decoral Art, um, DecoralEdwards.com. Um, yeah, pretty much Decoral at Decoral or Decoral Art. The studio is also called Decoral Art. Yep. Um, what is that actual address? Two two seven Sandy Springs Place, Suite five two two, Atlanta, Georgia three zero three two eight. It's located in Sandy Springs, but it still has an Atlanta address. Um, it's about two minutes right off of two eighty five, uh, right off of Roswell Road, on Hammond, okay. Hammond Drive. Um, I think one of the key places in there is three sheets, like a lounge. Mm-hmm. There's some people go to on their little hideaway dates. Um, <laughs> Kroger's is in there. Yeah. It's uh, yeah, it's, it's um, right off of Roswell Road and Hammond Drive. It's not really hard to find. Um, just a uh, sidebar. Are you still trying to do that one day, night uh, artist? Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, do you have any set tentatively that you're willing to announce, or um, I'm still developing that because now I'm actually flying out tomorrow morning for um an emergency family trip. So that kind of uh, tripped up next week, and then we have. Thanksgiving coming up. So I'm likely going to be starting it in December now instead of November. Okay. But it will be on a Wednesday. Um, I just don't have the exact date yet. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. Make sure is there any information that you'd like to share with the public about how you, you know, what, what, what it is uh, they need to do to get in touch with you or curious and travel? Um, well, the, the contact number is 1-877-286-1395, or you can go on the contact page of the website, uh, decoroedwards.com, D-A-K-O-R-O-E-D-W-A-R-D-S. Um not just instructing for art, but doing forms of motivational speaking. Um, not necessarily mental wellness, but building up self-esteem, um, clarity about who you are and what works for you, your purpose, getting connected to that. Mm-hmm. And I wrap all of that into the um, into some form of art, rather it be actual painting, or merging music with shapes that shapes merge with colors, things like that. So, yeah, for instructing, motivational speaking, just contact the website or call the phone number or hit me on the email, art at decoralelwards.com. Hey. Or come by.